You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Liam, I've got a movie for you. Go for it. Picture in your mind. NASA scientists discover that a giant space rock is hurtling towards the Earth, threatening to wipe out all life on the planet. Didn't we just do this movie last week? Uh, no, because this time, uh, Bruce Willis and a team of roughneck oil drillers go up into space and blow it up. Oil drillers? I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies as suggested by you. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are discussing the 1998 film Armageddon, directed by Michael Bay. A Brock Armor joint. Yeah. You can tell. (laughs) You can tell. (laughs) You can tell. (laughs) You can tell. Were some landmarks destroyed? It was a Bruckheimer movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, uh, 1998, I would have been uh, 11. Oh, boy. Uh, so I definitely saw this movie when I was 11 and not since. Did you like it when you were 11? I remember remembering it. <laughs> like, it, it, I like parts of it stick out of my mind. But also, as we were um, talking before we recorded, it was on TV a lot. So maybe I just remember the bits I saw on TV. Um but I remember not, I think it was like, 11 is too old to realize movies are stupid. Yeah. Like, you kind of can't tell a good movie from a bad movie. Like, interested and not interested, maybe. But like, wait, this movie's insulting my intelligence. It's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, you need intelligence to be insulted. And sorry, 11-year-olds, but you're dumb as hell. Uh, so <laughs> I have no excuse because I would have been 18 when I saw this movie. And I thought it was great <laughs> when I was 18. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, I saw it as well in the. I think everybody went and saw it in theaters. I think that's fair yeah. to say. Um, I I don't remember it being that great though. I remember it being meh and uh, dumb and leaving the theater and poking fun at some of the stuff that didn't really make sense. And that stuff is much more glaring now. This movie did not age well. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. Uh, speaking of going to the theaters, though, uh, before we get into to Armageddon, uh, I want to uh, uh, offer a follow up to a past episode. Uh, uh, astute listeners will recall that at the end of our uh, best of 2020, 2021 uh, sort of year and change in review episode, uh, I, I got uh, a little uh, carried away uh, insisting <laughs> that the new Spider-Man film was going to be not good uh, by way of it being a bunch of nostalgia bait and uh, repeating the one cool thing the last best Spider-Man movie did, which was multiverse stuff. Bemoaning the idea of studios not taking risks, but chasing risks, uh, or sorry, chasing what worked from the last guys who took risks. And, and, well, the point stands, I believe. I would like to say that I have since seen Spider-Man No Way Home, 
uh, this is very good. <laughs> so, um, I'm an idiot. Don't listen to anything I say. It was actually, it, it was reminded to me on Facebook, um, just sometimes how I need to, this is my New Year's resolution, is to stop trying to, like, decide movies are going to be good and bad before they come out. Not make up my mind. Because I was reminded of a Facebook post I made when they announced Blade Runner 2049, and I was like... They don't need to remake Blade Runner. It's a perfect movie. Who the fuck do these guys think they... (laughs) Yada, yada. Which is like a bad take in and of itself. But I kept being like, why can't they do something original? Like Arrival. Arrival just came out and it's so damn good. Why can't it be like Arrival? And then it was about three comments down before someone's like, the guy who directed Arrival is directing Blade Runner. And it was like, I'm a shut up now. Uh, And so... uh, uh, it's not a great way to start the podcast, but I don't know anything about movies. Don't listen to me. <laughs> no, I, here's the honest truth, uh, Liam, is that you your point was valid about studios uh, chasing things that work, but a derivative movie can still be a good movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it, it like I, I, I kind of, I'm of the opinion that like any pitch for a movie can work so long as it's, it's all about, it all comes down to execution. You know, yeah. um, like uh, like a sixth movie in a series can work, but it just matters like how how it's executed. Um, I, I I was having this conversation with someone on Facebook um, recently, actually, about you know complaints about Hollywood not having any particular originality and stuff like that. And the person I was talking to was sort of arguing like, well, you know, with streaming services and things like that, there's lots of things that are being greenlit that are totally original and that's and that's good you've never really had more access to more uh directors and writers and things like that which is unique 100 percent true and i i think the the real crux of the problem is is that mega studios like disney suck up all the oxygen with the shit that they're doing so it, it almost feels like there's no originality because they're the dominant force. It, it kind of, in the, in the movie ecosystem, feels like all you're really being exposed to is the next Star Wars the, or the, mm-hmm. the next uh, Marvel movie or whatever. So, or DC, you know. So I, I think it, it really comes down to kind of like a feeling. And it, and it is still kind of a bummer that, like, for the most part, you're not going to watch a truly original film in theaters anymore. That just doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. You know, That's unless, good, unless yeah, it's different. Nolan, like there's like oh, Christopher Nolan, like there's so few, um, yeah. Uh, abilities to go watch them. The, uh, go watch something in theater. That isn't like a big bombastic, uh, franchise film. Yeah. I think, I think you're, I like the, the analogy of like <clears throat> taking up all the oxygen and just like, they're the loudest. They're like, yeah. they're the, the ones that people are going to be, if you ask random Joe on the street to name the most recent movie, it's going to be the one they saw on the bus that just drove by. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's not just that they're, you know, they're a, a, like an absolute marketing machine, but they also take up so much space in like the uh, media sphere because like mm-hmm. the, you know, if you, if you have a movie podcast, chances are you're going to do some of these superhero movies because that's the one that gets all the clicks. The, the like clicks. That, right? yeah, yeah. I've seen that a lot. The yeah. algorithm. So even, even like your favorite, your favorite, like uh movie podcaster or YouTuber or whatever, like they're talking about all that shit all the time too. 
Like, yeah, what what podcast would do two Justice League episodes in order to get clicks? Like, who would do that? Who would do yeah. that? <laughs> what kind of hacks? <laughs> Speaking two of a kind episodes, uh, yeah, this is we did Don't Look Up last week, and then we uh, did our usual Twitter vote. Again, please follow us on uh, at I Have Some Notes, where we will. Uh, ask for not only your suggestions uh, for new films uh, to add to our list, um, but then we pick a couple of them, put them up to vote. You guys vote on them. That's the ones we do. Uh, and Greg thought it prudent to put Armageddon on the list uh, the <laughs> week after yeah. uh, we did. I'll, Don't look up. I'll, so. t- I'll take the hit on that. Uh, that was not a wise programming I, I, choice. I, no, I like it. I like a double feature. I like watching. In fact, my my best of the year stuff was a lot of like compare and contrast. Like I didn't get to talk about both Borat and Bad Trip, which are you know candid camera prank movies. Yeah. Um, so I, I like doing similar features back to back, and I'm, I'm I was uh, the I think the best time to watch Armageddon was immediately after. <laughs> That's fair. I kind of like not in, many in other my, good times to watch. <laughs> in my mind, like outside of the fact that they both have an asteroid in them, I, there's really not that many similarities. <laughs> no, not particularly. <laughs> you know, they're 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 on the opposite end of just about everything, including the political spectrum. Uh, despite the fact that Armageddon uh, was going up against Godzilla at the box office when it came out, the American Godzilla, specifically mm. the terrible one, and take some pot shots at it uh, early in this in the movie, actually, um, it was it came out at roughly the same time as Deep Impact, and I remember seeing both of them in the theaters when they came out, and I recall quite liking Deep Impact, and then Armageddon was also a movie that I saw about similar subject matter that year, and. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I like, it's, it's interesting to say that, uh, don't look up in Armageddon are similar and you can kind of contrast them because when Armageddon came out, it came out with another movie that you could compare and contrast it with, mm-hmm. which is, uh, kind of interesting and yeah. certainly wasn't intentional. It's just two different studios were coming out with two similar movies at the same oh, time. Oh, uh, with the Wikipedia for Armageddon says otherwise, um, that, uh, Basically, uh, uh, Disney took a meeting with the gro- the Deep Impact guy, took de- took notes, and then scrambled to make something to compete with it as like a counter. Oh, like, really? Well, there you go. Yeah, it's the same reason we have the Bugs Life and uh, Ants. Oh, yeah. That kind of like bullshit that. where it's like, you guys are doing an ant movie? We'll do an ant movie. <laughs> you guys are doing an explosion movie? We'll do one. Um, <laughs> so, unfortunately, this movie, even even from conception, was was crass and made in bad faith. There you go. So, <laughs> which is which is all the more ironic that Armageddon is in the Criterion Collection and Deep yeah. Impact is not. <laughs> I saw... Um, I saw an article, um, actually it might've been posted. I'm going to give a shout out to Jeff Samson, friend of the podcast. Cause I think he posted it, um, talking about why Armageddon is in the criterion collection and it ultimately landed on, you know, whether or not it's a good movie, it's an important movie. It is a piece of cinema history. And for that reason alone, it kind of deserves a place in the criterion collection. And mm-hmm. I kind of agree with that. Because I've I've said before, I'm pretty sure on this podcast, Michael Bay, whatever you think of him, whether or not you like his movies, he is an auteur director. He has a style, and it is a style that has been often imitated but never replicated. Um, you can tell a Michael Bay movie, and you can tell a Michael Bay imitator, and that's not nothing. That means that he, on some level, knows what he's doing and has a vision and can translate that 
to film. And I mean, I'll give him that credit. He he has a style. He has a distinct voice in the the cinema sphere. And (laughs) I can't say that for a lot of directors who are getting work today on big franchise movies where it's just like, you're competent, but like, you're just, you're white bread. Like it's not, it's nothing. It's, it's very little substance. It's no unique voice. It's you aping another director. I'm not naming names, but you might suspect who I'm talking about. Um, But uh, yeah, Michael Bay, there's no one quite like Michael Bay. (laughs) And, uh, and I'll give him for, that. For good or for ill, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair fair enough. Uh, Michael Bay, obviously not the only person involved in this movie. Um, as we said, uh, produced by old Brockheimer. Uh, and, of course, stars Bruce Willis as Harry Stamper, Billy Bob Thornton, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, Will Patton, Steve Buscemi, William Fincher, Owen Wilson, and uh, the late, great Michael Clark Duncan. Um, let's, uh, let's hear a bunch of explosions that pass for a trailer and then we'll, uh, get into what we thought about it. What hit us? Small asteroid fragments. This morning. How big were those? Those were nothing. The size of basketballs and Volkswagens. This new one you're tracking. How big? It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. It's what we call a global killer. The end of mankind. Half the world be incinerated by the heat blast, and the rest will freeze to death in nuclear winter. Basically the worst parts of the Bible. Hitting a rock from the outside won't do the job. So we nuke this thing from the inside? How? We drill. We bring in the world's best deep core driller. The United States government has just asked us to save the world. We're talking about space, right? Outer space? This is like deep blue hero stuff. I'm there. I'm with you. Beam me up, Scotty. I want all of you listening to know that everything that can be done to wage this terrible battle is being called into service. May we all see these events through with the courage worthy of this challenge. All right, flight directors, I want the go, no, go for launch. A planet-killing asteroid is headed straight for the Earth. With just 18 days before impact, the world's only hope is to land a spacecraft on the Texas-sized rock, dig an 800-foot hole, and drop a nuclear bomb into it. Unfortunately, NASA is full of a bunch of total rubes, just absolute maroons, who have never dug a hole in their entire life. Thankfully, the Earth's mightiest heroes, the oil and gas industry, are here to save the world. A team led by oil driller extraordinaire and consummate psychopath Harry Stamper joins NASA's idiot space dummies on a mission to blow up the asteroid and save the day. Yeah, um, the opening scene of this movie, well, I guess it's not the opening scene, but the first time we see Harry Stamper, um, I was, I, I immediately... You know, you, you, this is a rewatch for me, and I, I genuinely remember enjoying Armageddon and seeing them uh, hit golf balls at a Greenpeace boat. Immediately, I was like, okay, I'm not going to like this movie the way I liked it before. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> 
seeing a bunch of yeah like basically basically a bunch of oil workers just like giving a big fuck you to the environment like straight up on screen was that was something else (laughs) well to be fair i mean the like obviously like a tonal thing i can see what you're saying but uh i i briefly participated in some extinction rebellion actions and i distinctly remember standing on the road holding like extinction rebellion signs and some guys in a truck like did the thing where they like rev the engine in such a way that all the black smoke comes out oh yeah and like like sprayed it on us and i was like you know what fair that's the move that's the move man <laughs> uh, also quick aside uh th- there's four guys in that truck and as they drove away one of the people i was with was like thanks for carpooling <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh, so yeah i mean i it made me immediately buy them as roughnecks when they're haranguing uh greenpeace so in that regard it was believable <laughs> uh yeah no that's yeah the whole you know oil riggers to the rescue thing um yeah. really like i mean we we live in alberta and we live in a place where um i love oil and gas is like a, a common bumper sticker you seem you see trotted about and our and our premier's got a huge fucking hard on for it and that is exhausting especially as a kind of environmentalist and like um the idea that like like the, the way that the movie paints nasa is just like <laughs> just so bizarre in the <laughs> in the sense that like they 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 can go to space they can invent this crazy rover that has the ability to uh roll around an asteroid and, and survive all kinds of like explosions and stuff like that and they but they can't figure out how a drill works. Like, <laughs> or to even to, how to ask a guy who knows how the drill works. Yeah. Like, can you tell you me how the guy drill in works? As a consultant. <laughs> you don't bring him in to send him to do the job, which I realize is like, then the movie wouldn't happen. And that's fair though. Um, in the, again, reading the Wikipedia article, apparently in the commentary, uh, like the, the DVD commentary, there's a quote from Ben Affleck where he says, I asked Michael Bay why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers. And he told me to shut the fuck up. So that was the end of that talk. <laughs> uh, ben Affleck uh, is also correct. And uh, yeah. we'll be getting into that in the second half of this podcast. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, there's, Michael Bay has obviously got some politics and there's a lot of like rah, rah murka in all of his films, but there was something I noticed for the first time on this rewatch that I had never really like, it had never really twigged with me before. Um, during like segments of the movie, especially toward the end when like, it looks like the world might end and you're getting like shots of people like reacting to the possible end. And then when the world is saved and we get all the, all the people like running through the streets, being happy and celebrating that the world just got saved. Whenever it shows Americans, it's never in a city. It's always in some windswept Midwestern dust bowl town. Uh, shots of kids who are dressed like they're out of Leave it to Beaver with like 50s haircuts, uh, playing with toys that have been obsolete for years. There's there's not a Game Boy in sight. There's kids with like little model rockets and like soapbox <laughs> racers and like hoops and sticks. Um, and all of them are white. Every single one of them is white. And I went, wow, that's 
creepy and insidious. Michael Bay thinks real America is white and 1950s Midwestern America. And uh, it's interesting to contrast that to a part earlier in the movie where we go to New York City before it gets hit with asteroids uh, or asteroid chunks, I suppose. And all of the characters are really crass and annoying. And all of them are a Chinese couple and a brown cab driver and uh, a black delivery man. And they're all annoying and shrill and hateable. And they're in New York and they're the city dwellers. And it's just like, oh, Michael Bay, you are <laughs> you are aiming at a specific audience with this movie. And I am kind of grossed out by that. <clears throat> yeah. Like there's politics at play here and it's surprisingly insidious. And I did not grok it until this rewatch. And it was late in the movie when it clued in on me like, oh, I'm actually really uncomfortable with this. Yeah. Yeah. It plays into that whole conservative mantra of like the, the sort of anti-intellectual, just even, even mm-hmm. the idea that like, um, you know, these, these um oil workers you know can do the job better than the these trained astronauts at nasa and the fact that like you know harry stamper comes in and just like is immediately correcting everything that i think he calls them eggheads or something like that at some point like it's really (laughs) it's really pretty uh pretty obvious what they're you know who uh the film dislikes and who they like you know But then also when push comes to shove, Harry's designed that drill himself and Rockhound has like what, you know, taught at Princeton. And it's like, yes, there's one, there's there's one guy who's in the, in their crew who's kind of a genius or whatever, which is, which is fine. He also happens to be like, um, a, the grossest character and B the most fun character, which is a real trip. (laughs) <laughs> while yeah, you're watching there's the a lot of there's a lot of whiplash with Rockhound. Yeah. yeah. Uh who um, opens the movie with a joke about statutory rape. Uh <laughs> a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I this I have been waiting to comment on this for a minute here and this is probably the worst time to say it but I for all the like politics of it with the exception of Harry I did find the crew mostly likable. Like as yeah. like roughneck kind of characters go, I'm like these guys are actually kind of fun. They're a fun bunch. I'd I'd work I'd work with them. They seem fun to work with. The characters are very um, broad. Um, there's there's not a ton of depth to most of them, but mm-hmm. um, but they are the camaraderie feels very natural. They have a lot of chemistry. Like the actors have a lot of chemistry with one another, and yeah, they are they are a lovable group of misfits. I will grant that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird film because there's there's kind of a lot a lot of things that um, um, just on a political level level I find distasteful, but it's also not a it, like it's also a successful film in a lot of other ways. Like the, I, I would say that like the, the most of the stuff that happens on Earth before they go into space is pretty annoying and forgettable, but once <laughs> once they get into space it's a pretty good movie um the like there's lots of really good tension they're always up against it um you know the 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 character the character interactions are 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 fun and you know there's um you know it manages to develop um like it makes you feel something like towards the end of it i would argue right like the it plus we get to meet peter stormare's character in space and yes 
<laughs> huge shout out to Lev Andropov for being the, the real star of this movie. Yeah, the one funny character. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I liked watching Steve Buscemi ride the nuclear weapon. I thought that was funny. Yeah. So I should say, I should. As he gets space madness. What I just said. (laughs) Yeah. As he gets space madness. I I also, I also like, I I really enjoyed the fact that, like, for some reason, uh, the armadillos, as they call them, they're space rovers. Uh, they, NASA decided to equip them with Gatling guns. Like, I, why, <laughs> why was yeah, that a thing? Like, just in need case. To shoot things. Yeah. You gotta, there might have been have aliens to, up there. Yeah. In case mm-hmm. the, uh, in case the, uh, yeah, there could have been aliens or in case the nuclear bomb didn't work, I guess you could just shoot the, <laughs> shoot the asteroid dead. I don't know. I don't know what the plan was there. Um, I'll, so my honest big issue with the movie and the reason why I think that it, ultimately doesn't quite work is that the movie's trying to be this big bombastic summer blockbuster this this kind of like huge space action movie with a group of uh underdogs who are like as as you put it up against it um the problem with the movie though is that it is super padded like it is very long it is a very Mm -hmm. long movie it's well over it's two and a half hours long um, and it's padded with all of this melodrama that drags it down. And there are moments, even during the climax, where it's it just languishes in these things that it shouldn't be dwelling on um, because it's trying to be dramatic. And it's kind of failing at being dramatic because it's way over the top. And it's deflating the tension. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's actually sabotaging itself. <laughs> and that's... That's the biggest flaw I see with this movie is that it's way too bloated. It could have been trimmed down to be much more fast paced and much more tense. If you had like, admittedly, a lot of those melodramatic moments are good character beats, but are they really necessary in the type of movie this is trying to be is my question. And I don't know that it is. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that would solve my, my biggest problem with it. Um, and uh, this will tie into all the uh, fixes <laughs> I have. It's just too long. It doesn't need to be two and a half hours. Um, so I kind of don't care what, but just a half an hour of this needs to go. And I really don't, yeah. I don't sorry, care where it sorry, comes Sorry, Liv Tyler. You are now on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah. Or like some of the training stuff, some of the like the whole first. I'm kind of we're kind of getting into my fixes here, but really, all my all my fixes are cut based, and so I have a list of scenes <laughs> that just don't need to be in there. Um, and yeah. the I'll, first the, main the one tour is of the, the opening. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. The tour no, with the, the the tour of the oil rig, like where we where we first meet Harry Stamper, and he's touring the um are they Japanese investors? I think right, yep. right. Yeah, and that whole thing, like, I know that's a vehicle to sort of get you to get to know Liv Tyler and Harry and and AJ. But, like, at the same time, like, it's really long. And, like, all it really does is make me think that Harry Stamper is a a psychopath. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, I'd almost say, like, keep it, maybe tighten it up a bit because... I think the scene I found the most egregious was the first one where the astronaut's out in space and he gets hit by meteors and then a bunch of meteors hit the ground on Earth. Uh, and they were just like, oh, those were just small ones. The big one's coming. And I'm like, I don't I didn't need to see that the, yeah. there's some already coming like that. does The whole thing with the guy who hates his wife. 
the the astronaut. Yeah. I thought he was going to become like a pivotal character. Like they got to call him for some extra information. He can go. Um, right, just blowing yeah. up Paris. Just blowing yeah. up Paris because you know the French. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny to blow up the French. Start, I, I start like that. with a malfunctioning oil derrick um, as your action, exciting action beginning. Right. Uh, yeah. Even though that's kind of weird because like it's malfunctioning and then they're like you're the best. It's like really? shouldn't it be a success? I don't know. But like yeah, I think you're 100% right on that. Like the the op- the opening sequence with the 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 asteroids hitting New York, like that is essentially like a really good distillation of everything that I hate about Michael Bay in in about 2 or 3 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like there's there's um, like racism at play. There's um, the awful orange, high, like highly orange cast to everything. There's uh, the nonstop movement of the camera. Like it just doesn't stop. Like just stop and focus on something, please. Yeah. And then there's very, very then there's the characters who like who are so frenetic and annoying that I just like I want to stop watching now. Like that, th- like that. What I'm basically describing is like what, what most of Transformers was ad nauseum. Like that mm-hmm. was like he took the opening scene of, of Armageddon. He's like, I should make a movie just that. Is you know, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a good, it's definitely. Like I said, good distillation of what sucks about him. Yeah. Are there things about the movie you liked? Yeah, fair question. Um, I will say that come, the come back to me. <laughs> the practical effects. Yeah. Uh, most of the effects in the movie are practical. There was actually very little CGI used. A lot of it was mostly just to touch stuff up, and it holds together. Like yeah, I think the good. visuals look good. Still looks good. Yeah. Um, it 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 didn't age poorly in that regard. It looks good. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think the cast is pretty good with what they've got. Um, like I don't yes, think there's ex- anybody who's really weak in the cast. Bruce Willis is. This is before he stopped, you know, acting. Um, so. Uh, he's quite good in the movie, I think. Um, say what you will about the dialogue that they're saying. They're saying it well. Mm-hmm. Once they got into space, it was much better. Um, so I liked the last third of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, once they once they um, get into space and they're on sets all the time, like Michael Bay is kind of forced to calm down as a filmmaker a little bit because he doesn't have the room on set to like use his big cranes and stuff like that and and he has to calm the camera down a little bit so i think that's actually uh just just by the nature of where he's got to shoot it actually kind of made things a little bit better uh i i I do like i said before like i i do think that like most of the tension in the the space scenes are crafted um really well um even even though you know most like you know, if you're if you're a sci-fi nerd or like a like a like a space nerd, you're probably going absolutely bonkers with just about everything that's happening because like none of it, none of it is realistic in any way. Not that it has to be. It's not that kind of movie. But like I was I was thinking about like the space station, and it, this is just a really simple thing. But like when they when they're pulling up to the space station, um, the space station starts spinning to create gravity but they do it before the ships are docked. And I'm like, why, 
wouldn't it be harder to dock with a spinning space station? Like, can't they just mm-hmm. wait a little bit? And then I, I also was thinking about it because, like, the space station is like essentially like a tube, right? Like a small, yeah. like a long tube with like these spokes coming out of it. So if you spun that thing, like the the they show the inside of where they are that that main tube there, and like it's really just as tall as a person. So like if you're spinning, like. Would you not be like being pulled in like two directions? Like you'd have you'd be like being pulled down to the ground on your feet, and then your head would be pulling pulling up to the top. Like it's not that tall of a uh, of a tube. There is, uh, I don't know if this is true, but I have heard that NASA actually has management trainees sit down and watch Armageddon specifically to identify all of the problems with the movie uh, from, <laughs> from a space science perspective and see how many they can identify and they get graded on that. And uh, apparently the record is well over a hundred inaccuracies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> some we talking some about hiding. what we liked. <laughs> oh, were we? Uh, yeah. I mean, like uh, <laughs> I, I'll say, I'll say this. Uh, I, I agree with you that the cast is good. I like Billy Bob Thornton. Anytime he's on screen, he, this movie, other movies, he's got his accents is like nice to listen to. He's got a great American accent. Um, and I liked him as the NASA guy, the main NASA guy. Hey, he was good. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you need you need a good strong character on the ground to to be representative representative of the of the threat to Earth, and he served that really well. As did Liv, Liv Tyler, even though she doesn't get a lot to do outside of like looking concerned <laughs> this, for the second half of the movie. movie. <laughs> I know, I know, we're trying to talk about what we like, but go, go, oh boy, oh boy, does this movie fail the Bechdel test? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it, like it goes out of its way to like fail the Bechdel test. <laughs> There's. There are there are two female characters of note in the movie. I don't think that they say a word to each other or even the share other one. share the screen together. No, Lieutenant Watts. Oh, the the cap right. Lieutenant yeah. Watts, you're right. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's four female speaking roles total, right? That sounds yeah, about Ch- right. Chick's wife. Yeah. Liv Tyler, lady lady space captain. Yeah, and the and the woman in the cab in the New York sequence. Because she says, I want to go shopping. Oh, wow. That does not count. <laughs> it's a speaking role. <laughs> She's not a character. If I, I said speaking roles. <laughs> like, that's how that's how oh. bare bones you have to get in order to find, like, uh, how many women are actually actually have lines in this movie. So that's that's no good. <laughs> <laughs> not only that, but like the 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 Will Patton of that chick character, like. Yeah. That is a very weird storyline because it's like he's got a restraining order against his wife, right? Or no, his wife has a yeah. restraining order against, him. against him. And then like she, he, he shows up at her house like right before he's just, he's to going to fly off into space and just asks her to give his son like a, a toy or whatever, a toy space shuttle. And it's like, it's like, okay, like, so my head's running with like, well, what would get him like a restraining order, which is like, my thinking is like, this guy's like, he abuses women. That's like, that's, yeah, that's the first thing that comes them. to my mind. Yeah. And then immediately, like, it's not even at towards the end of the movie. It's like, he's, it's like a couple scenes later, he's actually flying off to space and um, the wife and, and the son are watching TV and they see a chick on the tarmac. And then she's immediately like, that's your daddy. 
like and like so the kid didn't know his daddy but like i mean like like i don't know like it seemed like so fast to just like sort of forgive this person and i think like do they not embrace at the end of the movie too it's really weird i don't like it yeah yeah they reconcile at the end of the movie and it is i think the reason it's weird is because you're right it's not expounded on why they're estranged and because there is a restraining order and because she has not told their son who their father who his father is that implies it must have been pretty bad yeah like there's an implication there that is really kind of gross and uh because of that it does. You're right. It does feel weird. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have to go that far with it. You could have, it could have just been like a situation where, I don't know, like maybe he, maybe he, it was more like a one night stand and he had a kid or whatever. And, and he, maybe he's a, maybe he's crappy because he wasn't paying his, his share of the child support or something like that. Like it could like still shitty, but like not to the point where you're like, I think this guy is a terrible person altogether, you know? The jump, the moon jump was cool when they jumped the, they jumped the armadillo yeah, over yeah, the that gap. Was cool. That was a fun part. <laughs> really rooting for him there. Does Michael Bay know what thrusters do? Does I'm Michael Bay know what that? <laughs> does Michael Bay know what gravity does? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think Michael Bay understands anything because this is the same guy who made Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he's like, they're from space. It's like they're mutants, Michael. It's in the name. <laughs> yeah, but they they're could, from space. They could be That's space not mutants. How mutants work. They could be space yeah, but- mutants. <laughs> Guar are famously space mutants, Liam. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> just trying to just trying to just trying to riff, man. <laughs> Look, the most important part of improv is no but. <laughs> <laughs> <You're>, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we. I think. Well, I think no but is the kind of energy we're going to bring to our pal Michael Bay here in the second half. Uh, Michael, no, but how about this? Uh, uh, we have some notes uh, for old Michael Bay uh, when we come back after this. What's the Cheesemus? A new podcast with an inside look on the Philippinex identity in the diaspora. Cheesemus is the Tagalog word for gossip. Subscribe to hear weekly episodes about disappointing your parents, breaking it to your friends that you're not Italian, trying to figure out why you punched a car, and much, much more. What's the Cheesemus is produced by CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Download it wherever you find podcasts and on whatsthecheesemus.transistor.fm. Cheesemus, spelled T-S-I-S-M-I-S. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. Uh, I'm getting tired of talking about this movie, so let's fix it up. <laughs> well, I'll I'll go first uh, because I kind of uh, mentioned it in the first half. Ben Affleck is right about mm-hmm. the major flaw in the plot of this movie, which is why is it easier to train drillers to be spacemen than to train spacemen to be drillers? The answer is... It's not, and it's dumb. <laughs> um, and I, th- but there's a fix for that that can still send the drillers into space, and it hinges on the tight timeline. They have 18 days to blow up this asteroid before the Earth is destroyed. So the the obvious fix. It's so uh, glaringly obvious to me that I'm shocked that it's not the plot of the movie. Is you have NASA bring in Harry as the consultant, 
and mm-hmm. you have him be like, okay, I can train, I can train anybody. I can train a bunch of stupid NASA eggheads to be drillers because I'm that good. So I'll bring in my team. We'll give your guys a crash course on how to like use all this drilling equipment. When you go up into space, we'll be on the ground walking you through it. It'll be great. We'll get this done. We'll save the world. Then like a week later, there's an accident. There's an accident with the equipment. A bunch of astronauts get injured and they're like, oh my God, like this, this was it. This was the plan. And we don't have time to a get other astronauts from overseas. Like, yeah, we could get some Chinese or some Indian or some Russian or some EU astronauts, but there's, there's no time to bring them here and get them trained up. What do we do? The only option is to send the drillers into space at that point. And now you have an even tighter timeline because it's like we have like three days to to treat to train you guys how to survive going into space. And then the the astronauts who are flying the shuttles are going to have to keep you alive while you're in space, basically, while you do the drilling, because that's the only option. So it ups the tension and it it makes a little more sense why these oil drillers are suddenly the ones who are going up into space because now that is the only option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and again, I love it's everything such about that, obvious... except it sounds like you add 15 minutes to the movie and I'm not, I disagree with that life. <laughs> I disagree. I think it changes the first act of the movie, but I don't yeah. think it elongates the first act of the movie. Sure. Um, <laughs> especially because now there's less time to train the drillers. So you have less of a training montage with them. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think that uh, you're right. That is um, a very obvious fix, and it's so much so that it was my fix as well. Uh, oh, so sorry. I I subsequently do. To, hey, for the first time <laughs> in podcast <laughs> history, Scott did my one first. <laughs> it's true. Usually, but yeah, like it, it, it's usually it's, you spoil mine. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's like it's really. I I, I think. You know, it, it, you, if you wanted to have that kind of thing where it's like where these the you know rogues gallery of of uh, of oil riggers go up into space, like yeah, that's a really easy way to make it believable and 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 make sense. And you know, and and like I don't know, it's <laughs> it just yeah, it just bugs me that they were just like uh, we're going up because you're a bunch of dummies. That 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 just. Yeah, didn't work for me yeah. at all. Put points at a bunch of guys in jump like flight suits who have at least read the manual. He's like, those guys don't know anything about drilling. It's like you don't know anything about space travel, asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, <laughs> That's and good. I like that. I had yeah. Even beyond that, that, you make it clear these guys they don't need to be trained to spacewalk. Nothing. They just need to get trained up so that they can survive going into orbit as passengers, and then have an understanding of what it will be like to move on the asteroid when they're doing the drilling. And then the astronauts can take care of the rest. And I feel like Mm -hmm. you could give them a crash course on that in a few days and it wouldn't strain credulity. Um, Whereas the, the situation is presented does strain credulity for me and, and is the oft criticized part of the movie. And it just had such an obvious and easy fix. (laughs) Um, cool. Well, I, uh, like I said, my big issue was just, uh, that it was, uh, for a two and a half hour movie, it is frenetically edited too. Like, oh yeah. Cu- the cuts per minute for two and a half hours is, uh, kind of exhausting. It's ex- it um, is very so. exhausting. It is the longest movie ever made. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so just I made a list of scenes that could get cut. <laughs> I'm just going to prattle them off now and then my two other cuts or changes that I want to make. But so the opening scene with the meteorite hitting the Earth and the other astronaut, that can go. Your first exciting beat is the rig exploding. Uh, the whole thing with the guy who hates his wife, that can go. He, he didn't find it. He wasn't helpful to NASA in any meaningful way. They could have got that information from off screen the way they got uh, how long it's going to take to get here off screen. Um, we didn't need a guy to be mean to his wife for no reason. That can go. Um, Did we mention her as a, a, as a female character with a speaking role? Oh, yeah, I guess. Five female <laughs> characters with a speaking role. There <laughs> you go. job is to get berated. Don't she's a life-sucking demon. Cool. Good. Thanks, Mike. Um, the scene of them getting arrested at the strip club. Like, I get that you wanted um, AJ and Chick to go have meaningful, you know, last day on Earth moments but the whole thing with them getting arrested i'm like oh are they is the new hurdle they have to like the the feds have to get them out of jail it didn't go anywhere that can go the animal cracker scene was just like cringy as all get out just have them touching gingerly in a in the in the they already they already had that where he's creeping on them they're sitting in the in the exhaust oh, yeah, that was a very weird scene yeah <laughs> like they were getting gonna, pretty there was some heavy petting going on there and just bruce willis <laughs> just watching his daughter like Ugh. and they're in then they're in the exhaust port of her rocket yeah it's, like, it's all very <laughs> um some I, I like the character in the refueling scene but i'm just for sheer levity something's or like like not levity uh, for sheer brevity, uh, something's got to go. So I say they don't need to make a stop on the way to just get him into space. Um, but Scott's looking at me like I'm wrong, and that's fair. I don't necessarily think you're wrong, but I think if that's the case, then Lev has to be part of the team. He's the token Russian astronaut on the team. I was actually going to say just add they, yeah, they yeah. add an extra. So long guy as to so the... long as we do not lose Peter Stormare. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think if you get an explosion with the the first team, um, by you know you know dying in the in an accident or whatever i don't know that they need to die but definitely they're they're put out of commission they can't do the mission now all right well i mean in a michael bay film let's face it they're they're probably gonna gonna explode so like then you don't really need the space station exploding that's true yeah yeah there you go so that can go um there you go i think i just saved shaved about 20 minutes off um (laughs) my my other my other oh and there's one more scene i wanted to cut um the whole thing of them drawing straws, like they're on a they're on a rock hurtling to Earth. There are hours left for everyone to live, and someone's like cutting up little bits of wire <laughs> to see who has to stay, uh, only for Bruce Willis to be like, "I'm doing it anyway. Deal with it." He should just be like, "I'm doing it anyway. Deal with it." Ben Affleck, I need you to like take care of my business and my daughter, and that's plenty. I don't know. I, I like that. I like that reversal. I like the. I like that it's a really good moment for Ben Affleck's character. And, and um, I will say this, um, and this is this is pure reading of the character in the movie. And uh, I might be giving way too much credit to this movie. I think that Harry would have done that no matter who had drawn the short straw, if it hadn't exactly. been him. I think it, it was AJ, but I think if Chick had been the guy who had drawn the short straw, Harry'd be like, I'm walking him out and would have done exactly the same thing. And that's why I'm saying skip the whole draw straw things. And he's like, I love every one of you. You're my crew. I brought you up here. Yeah, Go home with these astronauts. Yeah. I'll stay and die. Yeah. It's, it, Plus this is, you specifically, AJ, I'm going to look you in the eyes and give you my blessing to marry my daughter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. Um, nah. Also, 
Okay. I disagree. I, I kind of disagree. I like that. I like okay. that scene. It works for me. I think it's actually one of the stronger scenes in the movie. <laughs> Where he shoves him back into the pod. Yeah. Space shoving. Okay. Right. Yeah, I like. Well, I mean, like, I mean, like, but realism is one thing or another. But like, it's just like I like that. I like that there's a moment where, um, you know, their their conflict with one other, one another is kind of resolved, and like both of them admit to each other how much they mean to one another. Like that's mm-hmm. it's satisfying. I, I think it's I think it's actually pretty important. That can happen. I know, but like it's it happens in a very in a very dramatic way, which I like. Fair, sure. Um, yeah, no, that's that's valid. Uh, <laughs> we'll see which one of our notes Michael takes. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let us know, buddy. Uh, but yeah, the other, the only other kind of big change I wanted to make, uh, as I commented before, this this movie does fail the Bechdel test. Literally, keep Bruce Willis, keep Ben Affleck, uh, and even though I said I like him, uh, uh, Liv Tyler is the only character who could not stand to just be a different gender. Any of the crew, any of the NASA guys, even though I like Billy Bob Thornton, any like the the military guy who wants to blow the nuke prematurely, that could have been a lady. That could have been a tough as balls lady. There could have been. Yeah. I well, mean, there, the pilot there, right there. There easily could have been a Vasquez in this uh, crew. Yeah. Um. If you if you're catching my aliens reference, um, mm-hmm. just like a really brassy badass like lady roughneck who is yeah. treated as one of the guys by the guys could have been one yeah, of the absolutely. characters. I was thinking Max's character could be a could be a lady. Yeah. Um so I, I was I mean we're starting pretty low low threshold here but if we're counting the lady who wants to go shopping as one of the female speaking yeah. roles then yeah saying Max or the army general who wants to blow the nuke early as women is pretty darn progressive. Yeah. Well I was just thinking like you could just take you could just swap William Fickner and Jessica Steen's roles. That's the like, mm-hmm. that's Willie Sharp and Jennifer Watts, yeah. right? So like they're like easily like there's no reason why the 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 um woman pilot couldn't be the one that gets the really cool or the good scene with the the nuclear bomb and that when and she's the one that's that's following the rules and trying to make sure that the the mission is some kind of success. Yeah. And then appeal to her empathy. Yeah. 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 Also, so just any of them. Quick shout out: Keith David is in this movie. Any movie with Keith David automatically gets like half a star for me. (laughs) That's fair because Keith David. uh, Who is Keith David? He's the Uh, general. Filming and okay, yeah, he's he's the he's the president in Rick and Morty too. He's he's great. Uh, He is great. He also could have been a woman. (laughs) I mean, yes, he could have been. Billy Bob Thornton could have been a lady. So those are my two fixes is take take any 20 minutes I don't care and take it out of this movie <laughs> and make a couple of the characters women. Those are my fixes. And I guess don't steal the guy who wrote Deep Impact's idea and then make a whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, how do we feel? Do we feel like we've adequately fixed Armageddon? Like there's there's so many more problems with this movie that I could point out. Yeah, it's one of those ones I feel like it's it's too big to fail. Like you can't start pulling pieces out without it. Like it's so flimsily constructed that like, <laughs> like And also some of what's wrong with it is like what makes it I don't want to say good, but like it, then it wouldn't be Armageddon, then it'd be some good movie. Yeah. And part of the fun is that it's a, still a Michael Bay movie, right? It's still their adult alien ninja turtles. Like it's <laughs> Yeah, it's there's a, like I I you know, if if I was going to go deeper, I'd, I'd 
be like, well, we don't want Michael Bay directing and I want to like calm everything down and like, uh, you know, replace, replace his, uh, penchant for like frenetic, um, loud characters with, um, more humor and levity rather than like trying to like force feed it down your throat the way that the, the way that uh, Michael Bay tends yeah. to. Yeah, yelling isn't jokes. That's just the, a note for yes. all studios ever. Yeah, like it's a criticism I heard recently of um, Thunder Force and anything that that couple makes of like yelling isn't jokes. <laughs> yeah. Also, how did Billy Bob Thornton and Liv Tyler teleport from Kennedy Space Center to Houston at the end of the movie? Or rather, no, the other way around, from from Houston Central uh, uh, Space Control to Kennedy Space Center, where the shuttle touches down in Because it's like a two-hour flight, and the the shuttle would have touched, like, oh, they're coming in, they're on (laughs) re-entry. Fly them over. (laughs) It's fine. They gotta be there. How did did two giant chunks of rock go on either side of the Earth without throwing off gravity or causing just, like, that's that's your (laughs) that's your nitpick? (laughs) Or the, the, like, the fact that, like, they're, like, uh, all the smaller bits are burning up, and, like, that is that is a huge asteroid that you just blew to pieces like all the small bits <laughs> burned up in the atmosphere i kind of doubt it yeah but no that's that's fair how did how did they get to kennedy space <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think we i think we've uh, definitely tightened it up again I, I, I think part of this what makes this movie this movie is that it's a mess and to make it not a mess is to make it not this movie <laughs> well as i said at the beginning of the podcast it's in the Criterion Collection for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it is a glorious mess. Uh, indeed. We've also got uh, some comments from our listeners. As always, we uh, will ask for your comments a couple days before we record. Uh, so please follow us on Facebook uh, and Twitter at I Have Some Notes or over on Instagram at I Have Some Notes Pod. Uh, you give us your comments. We'll read them out loud. I want to uh, say before you get into it, I am shocked at how few comments we got for this movie. <laughs> I thought for sure that we were going to get just a t- like inundated with people with hot takes about Armageddon, and we actually did not get a lot of them. I was. Um, I think maybe I put it out. I put the call for submissions out a little late. I think. I don't think it was. I think I, the first one went out like yesterday, if I recall correctly. So that might be on me. It might, it might be that, or just like, it's one of those movies that's like, yep, I saw that, I was amused for two and a half hours in a movie theater in, you know, 1998, or on a Sunday afternoon on TV in 2007, or on Disney Plus in p- pandemic lockdown 2020. Sure, good, moving on with my life. Or it could like, be that the flaws are so glaringly obvious that everybody's like, they, they know <laughs> what's going on. They understand the, yeah. they understand what the job is here. <laughs> Uh, Andrew Craig comments, it's a product of its time. I watched it with my kids a few months ago. It felt like the movies I used to watch with my dad when I was a kid. It's dated. The storytelling is very 90s. Nonsensical, but you roll with it because you don't really have time to think about uh, think about it when it's on. It's really entertaining and weirdly iconic when it should be forgettable. Good luck trying to fix it, as I know it's hard to know where to start. I mean, we knew where to start. But, <laughs> uh, I like pros. I like the term "weirdly iconic." That's it is it is a weirdly iconic movie. Yeah, you I know, said that to him too. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Craig is right in that in in the part where he says you don't really have time to think about it when it's on, and that ties back to what you said, Liam, about how 
despite the fact that it's two and a half hours long, there's a cut like every half second. It's nuts. And it's like stuff is just flying at you so fast that it almost, it's like being, it's like being hit with a tidal wave. You just, you don't, you don't have time to really think about much other than the fact that you're drowning in this movie. And it's only later when you've gotten to shore that you're like, oh, I actually have time to ruminate on this now. (laughs) That was ridiculous. Yeah. I also wonder, it's truly a question. Um, how much do you think the the longevity and like place in the cultural zeitgeist that this movie has attained has to do with the song that goes with it? Uh, yeah, I would say that it probably has a big chunk of it. Yeah, right. Like, cause I don't want something is like still played on classic rock radio, right? Yeah, it's a it's a legit hit, and it was written for this movie. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that like that's that's what Deep Impact was missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think of that song? How do you feel about Aerosmith before we go any further? It's a better song than the movie that it's attached to. Fair, yeah. I'm lukewarm on on them. Lukewarm on the song. The, lukewarm on the band. Uh, the, uh, it's also not even the best theme Aerosmith wrote for anything because they wrote the '90s Spider-Man cartoon theme. Oh right, like, yeah. Spider, 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 glider, <laughs> radioactive spider glider. Anyway, Nathan Martin says the phrase "He's got space dementia" because in space that's different. This movie is insane. You could the most bay you could bay, still cry at the end, and I don't care that I do. I'm not sure I agree with the statement that it's the most bay you could bay because he did make four Transformer movies and each successive mm-hmm. one is Was more, more bay. bay than the last. <laughs> yes. Uh, apparently, like, I think, I think, <laughs> I think what they're going for with space dementia is something like the bends when you're driving, <laughs> when you're diving. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely got shades of Ren and Stimpy space madness. <laughs> um <laughs> It's no excuse for space rudeness. Um, it's a future image joke. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it, it was. A, it, it took me a minute. I was like, "Wait, what is he doing?" Oh, space madness. Okay, that might as well happen. Uh, it might. It might it, as well happen. Yeah, that is. That should be the tagline on the poster of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like confused at first. I'm like, "Why is he climbing on that rocket?" Oh, okay, sure, sure. Why not? Um, Robin over at Cinematological says the idea that it's harder to train an astronaut to use a drill than it is to train a rig pig to be an astronaut really fits with the dumbification of society in 2021. <laughs> Every idiot thinks they're an astronaut. Yeah, hundred uh, yeah. <laughs> percent. This movie is a living Dunning Kruger graph. God, if this if this had if this had happened when uh, when the last president was in office, he absolutely would have hired a bunch of rig pigs to go into space to stop an asteroid before even thinking to send up astro- uh, astronauts. At shoot the flick says it is a cheesy as hell movie. I always love poking fun that it is part of the Criterion Collection. Is it a cookie or a cracker? Oh yeah, the the animal crackers thing. Uh, and then cheap seat, cheap seat cast, cheap seat cast says, uh, "I saw it in theaters several times. A lot of fun, but please don't eat the belly button crackers." <laughs> I mean, don't yuck Ben Affleck's yum, guys. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't uh, turn down uh, animal crackers served on Liv Tyler's midriff, but I've, you do do the same thing. But like, he's got a little toy car, and he's like 
driving the rover over the moon rocks or something. Like, what does the animal crackers have to do with anything? <laughs> anyway. uh, those were our listener comments. Thank you, everyone who contributed. Uh, and that concludes this episode, too, I suppose. Uh, yeah. How, so what's our next uh, um, asteroid impact movie? <laughs> how, many, how many of those in a row are we going to do? <laughs> we'll just be an asteroid impact podcast from yeah. this point forward, I guess. It's like Deep Impact and uh, I'm sure there's like several, many, many others. I think there's, we got to, I'm, 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 I'm sure that we're going to do Moonfall at some point because oh, that about, looks absolutely bananas. What about the <laughs> Disney movie Dinosaur? Oh, there you go. Doesn't yeah. have to be a modern meteor impact. <laughs> oh yeah. Moon, I was like, why does Moonfall look familiar? And I'm like, oh yeah. Cause I saw the trailer before Spider-Man. I, I, I yeah. love Roland Emmerich's trajectory because like it seems like as his career progresses like the level of destruction kind of you know also progresses like at first it was like monuments that were being destroyed and then it was like the the entire uh earth's crust you know shifted and moved around in 2012 and and now we're just now we're just crashing the moon into the earth <laughs> <laughs> well uh, perhaps our next film will be a little more down to earth um, and you can vote on that uh, on our social media we've been soliciting all of our uh, next movies in the form of a vote from you uh, so hit us up on uh, at I have some notes and uh, at I have some notes pod on Instagram um, where you can not only vote on the little poll we put up to see what movie we do next but if there's a movie in particular that you want to see us uh, uh, notarize please send it our way and we will add it to our uh, Google Doc uh, and then of course uh, whatever platform you're listening to this uh please give us a review a subscribe a like uh on all the uh podcast platforms we appreciate it hey there's some problematic masculinity in this movie that we just reviewed armageddon and uh you you might be a little skeeved by it but don't worry because hey there's another alberta podcast network podcast called modern manhood which is all about uh discussing different perspectives on masculinity and it's worth checking out right now at alberta podcast network Uh, We, as Liam said, we just recently put out a call for more movie suggestions, so uh, please send us more. Uh, We want to have a a big long list of uh, movies we can choose from, so the more we get, the better we're off, and then we'll put it up for a vote, uh, probably in about a week's time, so look forward to that, and uh, the next episode again will be out in two weeks. Until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. Hi there, I'm Brendan, a certified home inspector with Rumi. Do you have a problem that needs fixing? Whether it's big or small, inside or outside, let me help you find out what's really going on. You can call me by phone, or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I.ca and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today.